The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is indeed that time again. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd Radio Network. Sitting in the studio with me today, a new friend, somebody that I've just met today, but a friend of uh, Mark Goldstein and one of our uh, dear friends here on the program, uh, Chris Marsden. From uh, It is uh, an organization called Global City Mission, and it is a nonprofit initiative, and I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's really wonderful. Tell me a little bit about you your background, how you came to Orlando, all that. Yeah. So uh, I uh, came to Orlando because, uh, gosh, ultimately God kind of dropped us here. Um, we, My wife and I originally moved to Orlando as college students. We went to what is now Johnson University, Florida in Kissimmee. And uh, we very happily moved away from Orlando because it's busy and it's crazy. And just, you know, no way. Well, yeah, no. right. I know. <laughs> Driving up I-4 today, like, oh yeah, this is why I wish I lived somewhere else sometimes. But, um, but yeah, we were, we were kind of between ministries. I had uh, graduated college, ended up in, in student ministry at a small church, and we were kind of between ministries and trying to um, just see where, where is God leading us next and interviewed at a few churches around the state. And uh, just this little church in Winter Garden, Florida, like um, there was just something about it that stuck in our minds. but it wasn't quite the right fit. And, uh, they called us back like three weeks later and kind of changed some things up and like, Oh, well, well, shoot, I guess that is it. I guess that is what God has going. And so that kind of landed us back in, back in winter garden, um, Coe area, kind of West side of town. And, um, yeah, that that's been almost 20 years. Gosh, like time just sign it kind of flies <laughs> by and, and all of a sudden you're here. So you've been so, there for that amount of time? Then. Been there that whole time, yeah. And so um, moved to work at that church, but but at one point ended up managing a music store, um, helped launch a church plant uh, coming out of the, the Michigan, greater Detroit area. They were coming down to Orlando and was a part of that launch team for the last 10 years. Um, and then here in the last few years have joined the team at Global City Mission and uh, been been kind of working behind the scenes, doing a lot of the administrative operations systems kind of side of, of helping kind of grow and scale that mm-hmm. organization. Now, do you do that full time? Sort of. I mean, like on paper, yes, I'm full time. But <laughs> the the joy of missionary life is you always wish there was a little more money and a little more mm-hmm. breathing room. And so I do a little bit of freelance tech stuff and, you know, we'll dip on and off the staff at at my, uh, my, my church that my family and I attend. Mm-hmm. And so currently I'm in kind of an on phase of like, I help out on the weekends with some of their tech. Um, and just, you know, as God gives opportunity, like we, we wear multiple hats and mm-hmm. make things happen. So I've interviewed, uh, people from Johnson university before. Okay. And, uh, that, that is a, a well-respected place. It's, yeah. it's a nice school. It, it's a really nice school. We, It's a, it's, I think in its current phase, it's a really nice school because it's, it's now a, 
kind of like a branch of Johnson University, Tennessee. So you've got kind of the weight of this larger college, this larger university, but the local campus is only a few hundred students. And like when we went there, we, we, we were like a record enrollment and brought the attendance up to like 300. And so when there's only 300 people on campus, mm-hmm. like your ability yeah. to engage with professors yeah. and your like it, it was it was a great experience. It just make it a lot more one on one almost type of a feel that yeah. you get that kind of attention. And, you know, this whole thing about being in student ministry right after you get out of college. So obviously God was doing a work in your heart while you were there, if not before going to college. Yeah, I, I went back and forth. Um, I went to school thinking I'd be, you know, good Christian college for like a year, maybe two, and then on to my quote, real college, real career kind of experience. Um, I, I have a background in production. I have, you know, some interests that lie in some random directions and like, you know, I mean, I, I've got to be doing something more than just this ministry thing. Right. Like that was, you know, 18 year old dumb me. That mm. was my thinking. And, um, and so like my, my thought wasn't, I'm going to school for ministry, but over and over again through the process, like God just kind of kept nudging me that way. So like I had a part-time student ministry while I was in school. Um, I switched majors, got out of a ministry major into like, they had a, they called it the career track at the time. And so I actually took like 30 hours of my schooling at Valencia to do, you know, some web design and some graphic design and you know, and so I was going to graduate with like this ministry degree, Bible degree, but do more graphic design and more web design and, you know, make my money that way. Mm-hmm. And then ended up back in student ministry. <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah. but it's a great thing to have that background in doing a skill yeah. like that, because you never know where you're going to be using those things. I started off in radio thinking that was my ultimate direction yeah, and ended up going into ministry. And now look at this. All these years later, I'm back doing the thing I started off doing. Back back in ministry and radio. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think so many people are, you know, just so much in a, in a line, in an arrow, aiming at one thing, and they miss out on, uh, on, what, on what could be um, a diverse type of uh, direction that maybe God has for them. And they're going to find out, and you can be prepared for it if um, if you've got your eyes and your heart open to what God's saying that, and doing exactly. at the time. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people that just think there's only one way to get there, and and that's the one way that they choose. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. But now, global, uh, this whole thing of the it's called the Global City Mission. Uh, who began it, and what was the idea? In the beginning. Yeah. So Global City Mission started uh, with Dr. Jared Looney. He's our executive director, and uh, he is currently on our team as a mission catalyst and as an executive director in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, He was living in the Bronx at the time, had moved to the Bronx to be a missionary slash church planner, came out of of Houston and uh, was going to the Bronx to just to make a difference in what was at the time one of the poorest and most crime-ridden places in the country. And so, you know, just a ton of ethnic diversity, you know, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime. And um in the Bronx. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The poorest. I wouldn't have I knew I, that there were sections. I yeah. just didn't realize that 
overall that would still be yeah true. i don't know if it's still true but it definitely was at the time he moved there he was coming he was working in a ministry in houston that was in in the you know the the poor parts of houston and working there and as he was looking at you know where god was moving and where where there was need um the bronx was was the target and so mm. he so he moved to the bronx to plant churches and evangelize and, you know, see what, what God does with it. And over the course of, you know, and I, I lose track of how many years it was before, since he moved there to when he started global city mission initiative. But over that time, like a couple different things happened. One was, uh, the missionary funding model that he was, was under was kind of the old direct church support model. So one church is supporting most, mm-hmm. if not all, of your salary. And so that church was was kind of hitting a phase of life where they didn't have as much money for missions. They didn't have the same kind of heart for for the types of missions. And so Jared was going to need a different model in order to pay his bills. But but also, you know, you start to look around New York and you go, I'm one guy and uh the big place. It's a big place. And so yeah. how do we do what we're doing? on that next scale. Like I can only get so much better as a missionary. I can only get so much better as an evangelist. And the answer is, well, you multiply yourself. And so I need to be able to bring more people onto my team. So if we start our own organization, that gives me a platform that I can hire, you know, more missionaries, invest in young people. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the start of that. And, um, and so 2010, he formed Global City Mission Initiative, and I think 2013 was when the first first guys started hitting the ground there in the Bronx. And and again, initially just in the Bronx, um, we had a we had a guy join the team a couple years in that was in L.A. And so we we then we were in New York and L.A. Hmm. And then you know over number the last one and number two, number one and number two, and then over the last five years, we're we're in neither place currently, <laughs> just the nature of, of life and ministry. And, uh, I think we're now in five, we're in six cities currently. Mm-hmm. So we we got team in six cities, but not in the Bronx or LA where we started, but we're in uh, Philly, Atlanta, Phoenix, Tampa, and Orlando. What do you think is the defining DNA behind global city mission? Well, so the kind of the, the tagline that we throw out, um, is, uh, making disciples at the world's crossroads. And I would say that is like, if there's one thing we're trying to do, it's that making disciples at the world's crossroads. And so something that's unique about a global urban place, you know, and like, and New York and LA are like extremely obvious that they're global urban places. And, uh, you know, other places like Orlando, you know, Orlando's Disney World, it's not this global urban place, but it really is because what happens in a place like this that doesn't happen in the middle of nowhere is people move here constantly. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if, if you're in one of these global cities, like you're probably even complaining about all the people that are moving here constantly. But what we don't always see is people are also moving out of here constantly. And so there's this constant ebb and flow of people coming and going. And once you hit a certain size and in today's world, I think even smaller places, um, I've, I've run into this in little tiny towns in the Midwest, um, people are coming here from everywhere. It's not just people coming to Orlando from 
you know, they, they lived in New York or they lived in Michigan and they want to come to Florida because we're better than, you know, all the cold and misery that, that is living up North, but it's people coming from, you know, South America. I know in Orlando right now, there's a, there's a pretty large movement of Brazilians that have been moving in over the last three or four years. And, um, just this kind of new wave and like they're Brazilians have lived here forever, but whatever's happening globally and politically in the last three or four years, there's just been this bigger wave of people. And so as they come here, they are, they are open to the gospel in a way. Um, and not just Brazilians here, right. But like anybody in New York in Chicago in LA and Phoenix, as they move into these new places, they're open to the gospel in a way that they wouldn't have been in their home country or even in the last city they lived in Mm -hmm. because they were comfortable where they were. And as they move, they become uncomfortable and they're open to new relationships and conversations. Mm. And some of those people will settle down and they'll become local residents. And some of those people will decide, man, Orlando's a really expensive place to live. Let me move back to Brazil or let me move to, I don't know, Omaha. Like I, you know, let, let me just find someplace cheaper. And if we can meet them with the gospel while they're here in this, this crossroads kind of place, then as they go to the next place, they bring the gospel with them and the gospel is able to spread beyond our reach because what they, what they encountered here and what they took with them either back to their home country or onto wherever, you know, their, their next step in their journey is. Now, what you're describing, Chris, is a kind of almost like a mindset a philosophy, if you will, about uh, taking the gospel with you. When I think that just would be foreign to some people who have grown up and they've spent most of their life in one community and they've gone to the same church building since they were yeah. a little boy or a little girl, and and now they're they're grown up and that's their image of the church. So this thing of reaching someone that is kind of transitory yeah, and they're going to be moving on maybe back to, like you said, Brazil or another country or maybe another part of the U S but the impact of reaching them with the word of God during that moment of time, uh, if that, that is the goal with your organization, it's to get them when you can get them for the Lord. Right. And, and to be able to, to be able to reach our, our hands and fingers into a lot of communities at once. And so if we wanted to reach Brazilians, you know, the old missionary model, we would go to Brazil. We wanted to reach Brazilians today that might start with, let's see where they're moving. That's that's we're already local to. And so we're meeting them here, but we're also, while we're here in Orlando, we're meeting, you know, South Asians, we're, we're meeting Arabic speaking Muslims. We're meeting, um, we're meeting, you know, tons of people from, from Mexico, from Puerto Rico, from Colombia. Like we're meeting a lot of other people who have also moved to Orlando. And so with one missionary on the ground in a place like this, we're able to have those fingerprints everywhere. And, um, it just, it just multiplies our impact, you know, for, for theoretically less money invested, mm-hmm. we're able to reach out and see impact more places. But but you're right, like people who've grown up in these this idea that like this is the town I grew up in, and maybe I move away when I go off to college, but then whatever town I land in, that's the town, like at least in my mind, that's the town I'm gonna live in 
you know, this is the job I'm going to have for the next 40 years. Um, that's not true for a large majority of the world. Um, it, it probably was, you know, a hundred years ago, but, but it isn't today. And, and so if we're thinking that way still as, you know, as, you know, as churchgoers, as, you know, people kind of living that American dream kind of thinking like that, that's not true anymore for the majority of the world, for the majority of the people around us. Isn't it true though, that most Americans, they kind of have the mindset down deep in their soul somewhere that everybody in the world is like what they do and they think as they do when they don't. Yeah. I, I think, I think America probably, we, we do that probably better than anybody else, but I, I think that's kind of human nature by default. Um, I think our tendency is to want to see story happen through our eyes. And so when we look, you know, across the border, across the, the world, you know, watching the news, we, we have these kind of like value judgments of why, why would those people do, do it that way? Because if I was in that place, I would do it differently. But, but we grew up in a very different neighborhood. We grew up, you know, I mean, especially if we grew up going to church versus, you know, somebody who's growing up in a village in Africa or somebody who's growing up, you know, Muslim in the Middle East, like our whole basis for value system is starting off differently. And so of course they're going to do it differently. They're going to see it differently, Mm -hmm. but our, our gut is to kind of run it through our filter, you know, like, you know, I mean, I've, I've been getting on my kids since they were little, like, just cause you don't like something doesn't make it gross. You don't like it, but it might be somebody else's favorite food. And, you know, if we can just pause and kind of have that, like their experiences into our experience, which doesn't necessarily make it wrong. It mm-hmm. might like they're, you know, it could like, be right. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. But let's not start with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because there's a big wide room here for a different way of being uh, accomplished yeah. than what we tend to want to do. We tend to make it our way or no way. And, and that's just the way life tends to go. My guest today is Chris Marsden and he is from global city mission. It's a nonprofit. And we're going to hear more from Chris when we get back. This is afternoons with Mike. My guest is Chris Marsden from global city mission and, uh, the mission itself, the idea as Chris explained it, as you explained it, Chris, and feel free to hop in and further clarify if I don't interpret it. But in all of the meetings that you guys come up with, with uh, just the way God allows people to cross your path, mm-hmm. the idea behind this mission is to take the gospel and to share it with them, for, as casting as wide a net as you can. Yeah. And the idea is, is that on some of those uh, circumstances or in those uh, people's hearts, they're going to grab a hold of the gospel. Yeah. And it's not only going to be part of them now, but it's going to be part of them wherever they end up going. Right. Yeah. And, and th- go ahead. Yeah. That that's, that's it. Exactly. Is we, we want, we want to not add to the work that we're doing, but really multiply the work we're doing. And so like, you know, I mean, different, different churches, different denominations, they get very semantic about certain words for our organization. Probably the only one we get super semantic about is actually the title of our 
team members, which is Catalyst. And, and I, I may have thrown that out and mentioned that once or twice already. But I, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. we, we call our missionaries mission catalysts because we want those guys to be um, catalytic in the nature of their work. And so a catalyst is a chemical term. It's a, it's a thing that starts or multiplies a reaction. And so their purpose and their role is to multiply, to, to start, to accelerate what the gospel's doing. And so they are, they're reaching out far and wide in their city. They're living very incarnational lives, like what, whatever, whatever God is bringing across their path, that's who they're reaching out to. And, and uh, they might have a target people, people group, so that way you're not just like wandering around the city going, you know, hey, anybody who will talk to me, but, you know, having a target people group, I'm going to strategically reach you know, out to this group of people, or I'm going to strategically reach across, you know, to this group of people. Um, but in those encounters, it's not just in engaging with the gospel in that one moment, it's engaging that gospel and invite them into something more. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, what we've typically used as language is we're inviting them to start a house church or, you know, start a, you know, a gospel community, um, in, in kind of like as a churchgoer, someone who grew up going to church, it really looks more like a small group or a Bible study than a house church. But as a, as a strategy for multiplying the gospel, we're inviting them as they're encountering Jesus to invite their friends mm -hmm. to gather together around the word of God. Now you mentioned that catalyst is like a chemical term. It's yeah. A scientific term that we know that when something either through irritation of of composite materials or whatever so there, there's motion created and something starts to go i mean i took physics class and you see all of the dynamics of physics and and when you mix that with chemicals you get some interesting yeah. analogies going on there but what the, the, this word catalyst is not a biblical term so would you see a person in the bible like philip as being a catalyst would you see I, that i mean yeah i i think a lot of our ministry strategy probably more resembles paul in ephesus and so if you remember paul in ephesus he was he was um he was meeting daily um and he was and, and I'm, I'm going to mix up all of my stories. They're all like jumbled in my brain right now. But, but there's that, uh, there, there's, it talks about, so Paul's meeting daily. I think it's two years that he's, he's sitting there in that same place. He's going back day after day and he's talking to anyone who will listen. And like the next line, um, the next verse is, and all of Asia heard the good news hmm. that like, as Paul is sitting in this place, he's not speaking to all of Asia. He's speaking to all the people that are coming across his, his path. But all of Asia hears the good news because Paul is in this place just, you know, you know, irritating, right? Like he's, mm -hmm. he's telling this guy and he's telling that guy. And that guy said, yeah, I don't care. That's fine. And, and this guy, maybe he came back two or three days in a row. And, you know, and it was like the 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 place that he that he found himself was was one of those, those crossroads like there people are coming and going they're on their way to somewhere else they're on their way to something important or maybe they're on their way back home from something important but they're coming across Paul's path 
and Paul is just daily telling people about Jesus and maybe telling them a little bit more and maybe, you know, and at the time that Paul is doing that, we don't have the New Testament, but but if, you know, you go a, a generation further, he'd be inviting people to to sit down with him and like let's let's have this, you know, let's look through the book of John and and read through the gospel mm-hmm. and read through what Jesus really was about as he was walking the earth. So these people that are touched by the word and when they are, are maybe someone shared their faith with them and, mm-hmm. and they become a believer and they are, they're basically then discipled right, right from that moment. And so the world changes. You're not just now being a catalyst to tell somebody the news. Uh, your team members are also then helping that person along through discipleship. Yeah. yeah and, and coaching them to continue in this process. And so, you know, we, we want to see those individuals meet Jesus but we want to see them also be really captured by the mission of Jesus of like, who are the people in their lives that also need to meet Jesus? So like one of the questions that we ask every week, you know, in that, in that Bible study house church environment is, you know, like what's going to be different in your life because of what you've read, but then who are you going to tell about this? And so, you know, from week one of, of meeting, you know, of studying the gospel, of studying the Bible, we're asking them to to think about who else in their life should hear this this good news mm-hmm. as well. So from the get go, from the get go, from yeah. week one, yeah. Right. And I think that's something different that that a lot of churches. And I don't know if we we do it out of like maybe we're afraid to like push people away or like, but we don't we don't have that same kind of initiative a lot of times in Bible studies of going you know, like, you know, Hey, you've been a Christian, you know, like who, who are you going to actually push this back out into the world and, and reshare this story? And Don't so, you think that part of the reason for that is that inside of people, it can be maybe the same plan, the same words that we would use to pray with somebody, but the end result of what a person who is actually doing it for the Lord and living for the Lord might be a completely different picture than what another person might have in their mind. And so it is possible that they're, they're thinking that it's going to end up looking like this, going back to you know, small town, the oh, church, yeah. the same church, but it's going to look something different because they, that other person doesn't see that. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of times we, we pre-write the story in our heads of, mm. of how an interaction is going to happen. And, um, we we know how people respond when we say certain things, or at least we think we do. And um, one of one of my good friends is is going through one of our our mission cohorts right now, and so they're kind of walking through this idea of of making spiritual statements and kind of engaging their community with the gospel. And um, you know, and he he's been a pastor for for gosh decades at this point, and he he has found himself like having fresh conversations with people because he's forcing himself to do the, the quote homework from the, from the cohort. He's, he's not a, he's not a like um, reclusive kind of guy. He's not a, you know, introverted kind of guy. He's a very extroverted guy, but he had, he had so much 
uh, pre-written the story of like, well, if I go into this coffee shop and tell them this, this is how they're going to respond. And so the only reason he's kind of, you know, forcing himself out of that bubble is because he's got homework for this, this cohort. And, uh, and yeah, the story's not what he thought it would be. Like people are actually responding to these spiritual statements and people Mm -hmm. are actually engaging. And I think, I think when we're church people, we've grown up in this environment, we've pre-written those stories. We know that if we tell our coworker, you know, and I mean, not like, you know, sit them down and go, Hey, let's have like a gospel presentation. But even if we tell them something like I was at church Sunday and my pastor, you know, had this really great illustration that helped me. Well, we know how he's going to respond, so we won't even bother. We're not even going to bother to tell him the story because we know what his response will be. And um, consistently, when, we, when we're meeting people who, who don't have that preconceived notion of what the gospel is, because they haven't grown up in a Christian community, um, they're telling their friends, and their friends are joining them the next week for Bible study. Or they're calling home on a, on a Zoom call to, you know, whatever, catch up about you know, just life and family. And while they're on the Zoom call, they're sharing the gospel, you know, and, and they're not sharing like the full gospel picture, but they're sharing this little glimpse of who Jesus is mm-hmm. from the Bible study, the Bible story that they engaged in that previous week. Now, the goal obviously is still to be part of the church, right. the, the, the universal church. And yet we also know the importance of being associated with a local church. Do you, uh, it, does that come up early on in your discussions with uh, these people? Because they need to be plugged in into so, a community. So we, we engage these, these house churches, these Bible studies, we engage them kind of with the, the hope and intention that they will become their own Christian Bible-based community, their own house church, like in and some of them were, you know, some of our mission catalysts are, are real semantic on, they call it a Bible study until they mm-hmm. start to see spiritual disciplines developing and like, and, and, you know, now it's a church, right? And some of them are a little less semantic about it and it's just house church and whether they're, you know, pre-Christian, new believer, newly discovering what the gospel might be mm-hmm. or whether they're, you know, um, you know, fully formed disciples who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. But, but helping people discover, like the, the Bible study methodology that we use is called discovery Bible study. And the idea is to help new believers discover truth from scripture. And so the foundation is in scripture when we, when we veer off on some tangent because, oh, I read that, you know, show me where it is in scripture. Like, let's, to make the foundation scripture, but helping people discover the, the, the spiritual disciplines, discover those rhythms and practices in scripture instead of a list that, you know, the pastor said we should go every Sunday. The pastor said we should have communion regularly. The pastor said, but as they're reading about Jesus having communion with his disciples and they're reading that the early church met together for the Lord's Supper and they're going, Okay, tell us more about that. Why should we do that? And like, well, you know, this is a practice that Christians have had for thousands of years because we want to identify with these things. And this is what Jesus said to do is like all of a sudden it's a different level of ownership that they're now experiencing communion weekly 
out of the example of scripture rather than out Mm -hmm. of the example of like, well, my pastor's denomination takes it once a quarter or my pastor's denomination takes it every week. Like, nope. Like we, we found it in scripture and we decided that we're going to take it every time we get together or we're going to do it once a month or we're going to do it as a special service because we want to focus on it. And like, and they can discover in scripture those kind of foundational principles. And so our hope is always that as they grow, they're developing that and they're becoming a church that's multiplying, that's growing. Um, but we're not dogmatic about like it's house church or else. And so some of those, those Bible studies will become a small group of another church, mm-hmm. will become a part of a, of a community. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're in a big global city, there'll be three or four universities that are, you know, either in the city or there's a lot of, you know, shared overlap. And so maybe they're becoming a, a subset of some campus ministry, you know. Maybe they're getting plugged into a church that way and they're going by way of a campus ministry. Mm-hmm. And so we're not, we're not holding on to them and going like, these are our groups and we're going to make sure that they quote, do it the right way. We're, we really are genuinely going. If, if we're, if we're instilling that DNA that you're gathering people around scripture and you're looking to scripture for authority and you can tell people about Jesus, you know, if you land in a more traditional church or you land in, a campus ministry somewhere, or you become a small movement of house churches on your own, we don't really care. We care mm-hmm. that, that that core DNA is moving with you wherever God moves you next. And I think that's the thing that I'm hearing you say is that it's not like uh, an aversion to becoming part of a more organized church yeah. as much as it is the heart behind really wanting to be real with the Lord, wanting it to be a personal experience thing, not just something that a group does in group think. Is that right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and, and again, for us, we want to see that multiplication happen. And so, you know, I don't think this would be true of all churches, but sometimes when new believers get brought into, you know, they become a small group of a, of a larger church. Mm-hmm they get kind of sidelined and those new believers are so excited to share the gospel. And when they're just, you know, a small group of a larger church, they may not have the same opportunity because, you know, well, hold on a second. We got to make sure you go through this course with us, or you got to go through this thing with us. And so we're, we're not opposed to where God leads them, but we, we do know that, that if we can keep that DNA of you can invite and you can engage and you can share um, wherever they end up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, gosh, can you imagine if a small group joined your church that was excited about sharing the gospel and, you know, like that, that would have a, an impact on your church and like, that would be great. Um, like the gospel, the kingdom grows mm-hmm. because of that. And, and that's what we're all about is absolutely. about the kingdom of God. And it's, it's really great to talk with you, Chris, thank you for coming in. How can people find out more about global city? Yeah. If you go to globalcitymission.org, uh, that's our, our, uh, our website. And there's uh, a good bit of information about who we are as an organization, um, and how you can connect and how you can plug in. Um, there's a, we just relaunched our podcast. Uh, we had we had done a couple of years of podcasting pre um, 2020, 
and mm -hmm. then we've we've since uh relaunched that here recently so a lot lot of current information there and you can also check us out on youtube um some great teachings from jared and some um promotional videos but but some great teachings from jared on kind of the the philosophy of who we are and how we exist in the world all right thanks for coming in chris marsden it's great to have you and we'll be right back this is afternoons with mike and you're on the shepherd back again in the studio now with mark anthony from southeastern food bank his third visit up here to the shepherd and to be on my program with me Mark, it is always great to see you. Thank you for coming up and bringing an update again about the incredible work that you guys at Southeastern do. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, this is always wonderful to catch up with you. Uh, just for uh, review's sake, for listeners who may not have heard uh, of your story before, give us the quick story of how you got into being a leader of a, of a major food bank like this. Just years ago, I was giving out, I go to the farms and giving out product to nonprofits. And, and then we did a, then I was given some, some snacks in 1989 uh, by a man who didn't claim God and transferred from his truck to my truck. And I gave away product in eight, 1989 to the neighborhood at East Winter Garden, which um, I guess, you know, gave me the desire to serve the Lord full time. And so we started in 1991, so it's our 30 year, 30th year, basically. Oh, my goodness. So you start off basically uh, feeding people out of the back of a truck. I mean, that's yeah. just really yeah. what how it began. And isn't it something to see a seed planted that somebody has a heart for, someone has a vision for, as you did, and they plant that seed, and this thing has grown much bigger than what you would have ever dreamed that, in the that's beginning. That's correct, yes. And I, I know from talking with you the first time back in 2020, uh, right post-pandemic when we, I had you up, even before we got into the studio here, it was early that year. I, I think it was actually, it might have even been the last part of 19 now that I think about it. But you were up here then, and I remember you being surprised and amazed even then as to how this thing has grown. And, yeah. and what, because you were telling me all of the, changes that had to happen and bringing in bigger refrigerators to handle all the perishable foods that was being donated. And you'd think, Lord, where's this going to come from? And God would always make a way. He has in all in 30 years. It's amazing from uh, $300 a year for the organization in 91 to we're running right now operations, 34,000 a month of that cost for operations. Oh my word. That is amazing. And you gave me some stats uh, prior to our um, getting here, you said 9.1 million pounds in the last year alone uh, yes. has gone through Southeastern. 520,000 families, over a half million families served through the ministry. And out of all of that touch, and I know this is a big deal to you, 1,800 plus 1,867 to be exact, salvations. Uh, that people have prayed and received the Lord. Yes. So in addition to feeding them f real food, you, you're feeding them spiritually as well, giving them 
The gospel, and it's making a difference. It's the gospel and groceries is what we call it. The gospel and groceries. I remember that. Oh, my goodness. Well, that is great, Mark. Thank you for that recap. Tell us what's going on now. In addition to all of these wonderful figures, we know that when you have stats like this, there's always a ton of stories behind it. And I know you're aiming at at the future. You're not slowing down one little bit. No, I'm a visionary, so there's good and bad about visionaries but um that we're not detail people but yes um i know that one story we had heard from a a program that we were supporting for seven years they had a lady that was there overnight in her car she had been there since 11 o'clock the night before and they asked her why are you here so early we won't start until nine o'clock and she said I have to make sure I have food for my children. So um, it has really changed the food, the design, the need for food in central Florida is accelerating for a lot of reasons. You know, it's the times it's inflation, it's the fuel prices. Everybody comes to Orlando. They think it's going to get their dream job. And a lot of times they don't find what they need or they can't find a job. So, and often the pay is also included in the sunshine. <laughs> That's what I've heard that people say, well, part of your paycheck is the fact that you get to live in this wonderful weather. And that really doesn't put food on the groceries no, at all. No. So anyways, we're, my vision really is beyond Orlando, uh, even though I grew up in Orlando in the fifties and sixties. Uh, but my vision really is future is, um, we support an organization in Georgia, one in Alabama. So the rest of Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, uh, that is my vision within the 10-year plan to uh, to have at least a site of ours and then connect with food banks in that area. Mm-hmm. And the other part of my vision for future is uh, the 17 islands in the Caribbean that we will um, – besides support with disaster relief, not physically on the ground, but support product to uh, help those people, but also evangelistic programs in the islands. That's a big vision. So taking it out of the boundaries of these counties that you've served historically and moving across into, into the islands. That's wonderful. That's great. Now there's a couple of events. One just happened and the other one is upcoming. Let's talk about the Chick-fil-A kids run that you did. How did that go? Well, there were over 300 participants. The city of Okoy was gracious enough and Chick-fil-A to make us uh, have us as the uh, recipient. So we don't know the real, the real uh, amount of money of that, but it was still a blessing. And also we're able to meet the uh, city officials because we hope to do a food program sometime this year in that area for central Florida. Mm hmm. Now you're based in that that kind of Western Orlando yes, part. Yes, we're of actually in Okoy. Actually, in, mm-hmm. in the, we're in the Buffalo field there. Uh, my brother has a herd of buffalo. So, oh, you're not kidding. It's oh, a real... yeah. There's fourteen. <laughs> there's fourteen head there. Oh my goodness. And there's babies being born. You know, this spring too. So I don't know what the real number is going to be. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, it's fun to get to see some sites like that, and a lot of people visiting Florida for the first time would not realize that it's a big farming area. When you go on down south of Orlando and you get into some of the big wide opens, I think all the farms that have uh, all of these big, big cattle farms and all, it's, it's surprising. And people 
are a little bit surprised because they think all we have done here palm trees palm and trees and mickey mouse you know yeah. that that's it that's basically it but the kids fun run uh took place on april the 9th and again it's really great to see the community get behind what yes. you're doing and chick-fil-a is such a great sponsor aren't they yes definitely they, this is the okoya winter garden um franchise and uh, they're they do a lot for the community. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're if you're out and around that area, friends, and you drop by Chick Fil A, just say a big thank you on behalf of Mark and the the people at Southeastern. I know he would appreciate that. Yes. Now you've got something else coming up in May. It's the Mystery Box Auction. So tell us about that. It's a fun time. It's going to be at Celebration Baptist Church, which is in Leesburg. And people will bring wrapped. Their only thing, there's no cost to get in. Obviously, you just bring a wrapped uh, gift, and we auction them. And so that has another fun fundraiser for us, and it's fun for me. All I can do is laugh because last year we had a lady that bought a wrapped garbage can and paid one hundred and twenty-five dollars <laughs> for it. And didn't know what it was. Uh, we are going to have some uh, unwrapped items that we've acquired uh, that we will be um, auctioning. I think there's a, a patio set, probably some more grills. Um, we got some interesting things. And really, in 30 years, I, I only envisioned food. I didn't envision all the things that come to us from oil filters to um, paint thinners, new product. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's just hard to understand. But, you know, uh, through Avent Health, we brought in since last year um, 16 semi-loads of sanitizer, mask paper towels. Uh, so yeah, it's, we don't, we just say yes. And whoever they give us, we give it away. So, you know, in a real way, there's a similarity. Is it not that the big box store, warehouse stores, uh, the, the way they get a lot of their, their food items and all of this is through one-off buys and, and special deals that they're yeah. able to get. So that doesn't mean that if you buy something at Costco, let's say, today that you're going to be able to buy that same thing two months from Everything now. very seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. Very seasonal. And maybe, like I said, almost on a one-off type of a thing, because if they get a special deal, that special deal may not come back around again. Yep. And, and that's the, what the, is the basis of a lot of your food gathering is that you never know what is exactly going to come in. And sometimes you're very surprised at the amount that comes in, right? Yes, food comes and goes, and, and it is becoming a, I know God's in control is becoming a concern as as we see things starting to shrink, uh, because we get food from uh, Goya, Publix, and uh, Winn-Dixie, and other food banks, and so um, it looks like a little bit of a challenge, but like I said, God's in control. We are getting uh, uh, thanks to uh, Publix, twenty stores we're getting over fifty thousand in uh, groceries uh, from them. We don't know when that's coming because of the supply chain, but that's a big help for us. And also, even the LDS Church actually has brought given us three semi loads in, in the in the last year up through this year, which helps us because we support a lot of different kinds of. Um, Organizations in our evangelism programs are obviously, you know, Christian programs, but we support animal shelters and rehab centers. Um, just anything you can imagine, we support anything, yes. So Southeastern Food Bank is is really this 
kind of a miracle in progress. And I know that this uh, upcoming event will help you guys. It just further funds the efforts and the outreaches, not only the food, uh, but also, as you've mentioned, the evangelistic outreaches and trying to take the gospel into uh, areas. You guys remain, though, at the at the core. You are a food provider for those who are hungry and, and need food. And I know so many people depend upon your organization for that. And I, I, I'm sure there's a weightiness to that, especially when you look at so much of what comes in. Uh, again, you're not guaranteed of quantities or anything like that. So I know that faith has a lot to do with your every day. It has been, it has been faith for 30 years and I really don't worry about it anymore. Um, It's God's program and I will continue what I'm supposed to do until he tells me different. Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're doing great. You mentioned that your company, Southeastern food bank just had more like a, a 10 year plan and what are you dreaming for in the future just as locations in the states and uh, serving more families and finding more sub distributors um i also started the association independent food banks three years ago and with that we're able to put together several food banks also to to help more people yeah i think that's an important thought is that you not only feed people directly, you do some of that, but you're, you're also a distributor to the other distributors, the sub distributors. That's and right. So, we have in the state of Florida and Alabama currently. Wow. And so it is truly Southeastern friends. Uh, and you can find out information. What's your web address? It's southeasternfoodbank.com. SoutheasternFoodBank.com. Just a review. This uh, fun event that's coming up in uh, uh, May, May 18th, actually. It starts on a Wednesday at 10 in the morning at Celebration Baptist Church, which is in Leesburg at 25327 U.S. Highway 27 uh, in Suite 209. That's where the auction is going to be held. It's the Southeastern Food Bank Fundraiser. And you can take part, you can go and join in on the fun and bid on an item that's wrapped and you don't know what it's going to be, but that's part of the fun. And know the money's going to come to help us. And all, yeah, right. Regardless of what you end up buying, that really is immaterial because the funds, and this is the real purpose, the fund is helping to make this wonderful organization continue in Central Florida and beyond. Mark, it's so great to have you up here. Thank you for coming and seeing me. Thank you. It's good to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's always great to hear from you, my friend. Until next time. And friends, same with you. Until next time here on the program, we'll see you then. For The Shepherd, this is Afternoons with Mike.